0: It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for, it's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jidlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Hello, Goat Gabbers, and welcome to another exciting edition of Goat Gab. I'm so excited to be with you here this week, and this is Laura Warren-Hughes, and as always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Cameron.
1: Yeah, this week we also have a, a few special guests as well here. We are live here from uh, the bustling metropolis of Milton uh, at the Maran Ranch, we'll call it here, uh, and I'm here live with our special guest for the week, Uh, Randy Adamson, Mary Adamson, Catherine's also at the table as well here. Um, Adamson, say hi and tell us a little
0: about yourselves.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having us. Um, we've had goats, seems like forever. It's a 4-H project that kind of got out of hand, um, well over 25 years ago. And, um, 12, 13 years ago, we had an opportunity to buy a commercial herd and, uh, we made the jump and did that um, and milk between 180 and 220 does and enjoy it, but still managed to hit a few shows during the year.
0: That definitely sounds like a hobby that grew. Definitely. Definitely.
2: Yeah. It, it grew. It uh, it was always my dream. I, I was born and raised milking cows and that's what I was going to do is, was, was milk cows and it, it just didn't work out that way. And, uh, so when we had the opportunity, I was all for it. Mary as a city girl and, and, uh, was was not, and probably still isn't her "quote unquote" dream at all to be to have three hundred head here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mary's shaking her head for those that cannot see her here. Uh, but before we dive in and talk a little about the podcast, let's talk about what's happening here at the farms. Laura, why don't you go ahead and get started?
0: Um, enjoying this beautiful fall weather. Uh, picked up another load of hay today. Um, bred a few goats got a butt collected. That's kind of, kind of the end of it. I really like this kind of slow down time of the year when, um, you know, you can just really enjoy sitting out in the pasture and uh, letting the goats climb all over you. Uh, my, my version of goat yoga. So that's what we've, that's kind of what we've been doing around here today. So um, not, not anything very exciting to report. How about you, Cameron? I know you've been a little more excited.
1: Yes. I, yes. We have. Um, we've had a lot kind of going on um, myself and the Adamson's this week. We were at the WdGA um, conference, fall, fall conference this week and select sale. So I've been doing was prepping for that and working with um, the select sale animals as well as some of the youth programs there. So work with that stuff there. Uh, we pulled blood on our first goats, and all four are pregnant, so uh, we're very excited about that. My wife more excited than I am, because they're all talking birds, <laughs> uh, um, but nonetheless, like, exciting there. I pulled blood on two Alpines, and one should be pregnant, and the other one probably is not pregnant, so um, we'll just we'll have to see on that front there, um, and also just a lot of doing chores and, and just a lot of monotony this week, just doing chores and such. Catherine did some work on the barn this weekend and did some electrical work that needed to get done. So, uh, well, I was away for that. So, not a lot going on. But, Adamson, what's happening at your place? Breeding. Kind
2: of Reading. the same. Yeah. You know, we've got does that heat every day, and then you've got to run in and see are they a grade dough or are they a registered dough? If they're registered, who do we breed it to? Is she milking enough, down low enough that she can be bred? So you're busy with that. We, too, were busy with the conference. We had a doe in there, and she sold very well. And I appreciate Cameron for talking her up at the sale. Um, waiting for soybeans to get dry so they can start baling them. We usually take in about 200 round bales a year for bedding. So we're kind of waiting for those to come in. And um...
3: Fall is not a particularly slow time here because of breeding season <laughs> and because we don't just throw a buck in the pen. We, we actually hand breed just all, about all, everybody. Yeah. All
2: 200 are hand bred. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. go catch a buck and yeah. drag him up. And okay, she's not really in heat. Drag him back. And yeah, it's just. Uh,
3: but we've done some AIs this year. I've, so far, I've AI'd six Alpines and one La Mancha. Um, so only one of them um, has been far enough along to confirm that she's pregnant, and she is. So the others are coming up in the next uh, week, week and a half. Woo-hoo! Blood, actually
2: yeah. we have a vet here right now we yeah, may we, we sure. may we may draw some blood when we're when we're done and uh you know i'll get that uh, neighbor discount or something on, uh, uh, on one of the ais to see if we're done or not we can
3: always ultrasound them. it's in the truck oh my god she's
2: got an ultrasound it's okay. even better yeah we gotta go sorry <laughs>
1: So we were at collection. Actually, we had butt collection.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, and we were at collection, and we were just kind of all hanging out after it. And they're like, "Well, we well we got the the vet coming out here." And Catherine's like, "I got my ultrasound in the truck. Do you want to go?" They ahead asked me. They like, asked
3: because they were gonna go to Broadhead. And they were like, "Can we use the ultrasound?" And I was like, "Sure, I guess. Might as well. It's just extra practice for me." We were actually at that buck collection too, so it's kind of a busy week this week. Yeah, year. Uh, yeah. It's good. It's
1: good. Hey, that was a good deal for me because we got a free case of beer out of that. So,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: that was a nice
0: <laughs> beer. Always makes the collection go better, right? Yeah,
1: yes, it does. Um, But other than other than that, ad- good news wise, Laura, do you yeah. have anything?
0: I don't. I, you know, it, it's. I think it's the post convention. Um, you know, people are thinking about committee reports, so or uh, committee assignments. So, uh, don't forget if you want to volunteer to be on a committee; those are due by October thirty first. And, um, you can find the form on the ADGA website. And I want to encourage you to really focus on your skill set that you bring to the table. the The forms that they have, there's not a lot of room to write in there, so. Feel free to you know add an extra page or two of things that you feel like that you bring to the table and offer because everybody's needed and um you know if it's if it's something that you're passionate about, ADGA wants to hear for it and and uh, don't be afraid to sign up for some committees. So, um, I know that our EC is very busy looking at things at the ADGA office and coming up uh, with a a plan to put in place and and move forward with that. So that's that's about it right now.
1: Well, I've. I've had some good office results as well there, just getting papers back. I got all of my papers back that we sent in. Um, and then what do you know? We turn one right around and we send it right back in for another correction there. Not, not Agus' fault, our fault there, but um, nonetheless, had a lot of success getting uh, what nine papers in versus across three different breeders. So um, lots of complicatedness but getting it all straight away and the ad office is doing well on that so uh, we can only knock on wood and say well, let's hope this continues and um yeah. you know rome wasn't built in a day and then neither will the uh rehaul of the ad office.
0: that sounds perfect yeah.
1: well Adamson, are you ready to talk now we've got a lot of questions
0: let it go we're ready
3: we're ready
1: <laughs> well I want to start here. I want to talk about soybean bedding first because I I had never heard of it (laughs) until I was talking with my neighbor, Jeremy Francine, and there you guys brought it up. How popular is that up here in Wisconsin? And is it pretty comparable to straw as well?
2: Oh, it's ten times better than straw. Mm -hmm. We don't use we don't use straw at all except for in when we get into kidding season, we'll put it in the in the kidding pen just because it's softer and nicer. But absorption there's no comparison, absolutely none. Um, straw keeps them above the wet. You know, stalks and beans will actually help absorb absorb that moisture. Um, bean bales, I mean, corn stalks are probably the most popular, but I really like the beans mainly because I store them outside. The round bales outside, and yeah, they get a little wet. They're rat they're you know just net wrapped. They'll get a little wet, but you can take that outside two inches peel it off, set it off to the side. And you get three, four nice days of sun. Even in the winter, a nice, dry, sunny day. Fluff that up a couple of times with the pallet forks, and it's dry enough to use. You get a corn stalk that's wet. You know, that thing's the size of your thumb, and it gets wet. It's done. You know, it's going to take a year to dry out. So um, I, I love the beans. those absolutely love them. They go through and eat all the pods and that. But, yeah, bean stalks are, to me, I'll take beans over corn any day, and I'll take corn over over straw every time, every time. I, I I don't even care for straw really.
0: So Randy, how is that when you go to clean it out? Is it is it really heavy to clean out compared to straw?
2: I wouldn't want to use a pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't use a pitchfork anywhere. If I can't get the bobcat in there, we don't put goats there. Uh, that's kind of the standard rule, but. <laughs> <laughs> And my in my pack'll get, you know, twelve to fourteen inches. About every six weeks or so we have to clean the pens. But I I don't think it I see any difference really between corn and beans or straw. I I think it breaks up pretty good. Um takes it out. But there again, I'm I'm not using a fork, so I, I can't go by that experience. Um but I, I think it cleans out as well. It's um it's a good betting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Want to talk, yeah, talk what, about what talk,
2: is my what, what, what is my manure management? What does that mean?
3: Because you've only got five acres here, how do you deal with all the extra manure from your
2: um, goats? We we have we have room in the back to pile, so we just we just pile it all. I mean, I don't even own a tractor. Um, you know, we've got five acres and a skid steer, and that's that's this. So we we pile it all in the back. And then uh, once a year when the crops are off, now probably, you know, like in November here coming up, um, I've got a friend that I rent a, a huge tractor from, and he's got a manure spreader. I'm not kidding. You could park a pickup truck in it. It's so big. I've got a loader from both sides. This thing's enormous. And um, and I rent that, and in seven to ten days, I can haul a year's worth of manure, you know, and I, I just spread it in the neighbor's field. So it works out. It works out really well. The only The only problem is I'm old and, and don't understand this stuff, and that tractor is one of them, you know, it's all the computer screens and toggle switches and buttons. And I feel like a, a kindergartner with dad has to show me how to drive the tractor. I've rented it for eight years, and every year I have to sit in a cab and go, okay, what button do I push to make it go forward? Which button does this? It's just it's a little frustrating, but uh, – <laughs> technology you know, I'm looking for a gear shift pattern on the on the front of the tractor like it used to be but we don't have those anymore apparently
1: <laughs> And you guys have to have that manure management plan per the state of Wisconsin right
3: there or We have to have it we for don't. the township. The
2: township. Okay. We have to have when we applied because we have such a small acreage right. you know for the number of animals we have we had to apply for a conditional use permit right. to have that many animals and then we had to have uh you know, where we were going to spread. You know, we had to have a commitment that we had a place to, to spread that manure. So um, that's all the, the township required for us to do.
1: I guess it's not as easy as buying goats and
2: <laughs> just yeah. milking. Yeah, you don't just run out and buy 200 head and, and start going. Um, when we started, actually, it was that was a time where you had to ask to be picked up. Um, you either got on the waiting list to, to get picked up or you bought an existing herd that was already shipping, and that's what we did. We bought a herd that was already shipping, so we kind of had an end to get in. But if you were just to run out and buy a hundred goats and say and call the plants, say we're ready to start shipping, they'd say, "Well, we'll let you know when we need the milk," and you just keep around sitting there until we need you. Right. But it was frustrating for a lot of people back then.
1: So talk about that transition there from from show herd. You know, you've got these set of thirty does, roughly. I'm just throwing something out, and you pick up, you know, two hundred extra animals now, and they're not what you're used to seeing. First off, and two, maybe they're not the same quality. What was that? Was it kind of a shock to the system? Or
2: um, I don't want. To, I, don't was, I don't know if it was a shock. You know, I knew the herd that uh, was right down the road. I knew what the animals were, I and mean, they were a little rough. But the hardest thing we did it in September. A lot of people start in in february and march when kidding season starts so they got the mass milk I, you know i wasn't thinking that smart i started when everybody starts going dry so that worked out really well that first year but so the the show herd when we started we were renting a barn and bought a herd right down the road a half mile away and
3: they stayed there
2: and they stayed there and we rented that barn and milked right. there and went down there to milk for right. two years but anyway so that was september so the, obviously the show herd was still here at our place in our little in our little barn and um so we kept them here. We kept the show herd here. They kitted here, and when they started freshening, you know, we're milking four, five, six, and we're dumping milk here, and I'm trying to make milk down the road. I'm, and this is, this is, you know, this is ridiculous. We need to move them home, and that was hard to take those babies, you know, your 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 show does, and um, and take them down there and and put them with the. You know they're used to twelve or fifteen does, and now you're going to stick them in a pen with eighty or ninety, and you're the new kid on the block. So you know you're going to get beat up for a few days before you figure out where you fit in the in the pecking order. And actually, um, we had Rapture at that time, and that was probably the hardest one to take down there and say, "Okay, yep, you're a big girl, and we, you know, we love you, but you're going to go down here and fight with all the all the peons down here at the at the dairy." So it was a little tough. And obviously, there's a lot of management skills and, and just the way you handle them. There's so much different commercial compared to the show side too. Um, just different attitude.
0: In thinking about that, because I, you know, Randy, I never really thought, I really never thought about, you know, the, the show herd versus commercial herd. And, you know, some people keep all of them together. Some people separate, some people have different, totally different management things. It sounds like though, all of your does are expected to to earn their keep and all of them are expected to not be a slacker on the milk line.
2: Yeah. And that, um, that can be hard sometimes, but you know, I, I I may not expect the same amount, you know, I, I have a, I draw a line on the DHI sheet where you have to be, how many pounds your, your 305 day projections got to be. And and then you're going to go and, um, I'm a little softer on the show does, you know, maybe they don't have to be at that 18, 1900 or 2000 pounds to stay. You know, I may come down a hundred pounds or so, but they do have to pay their way. I mean, yeah, I like going to the shows and it's fun and it's all that. But at the end of the day, I'm feeding them goats for, you know, 365 days. And this is what I do for a living. So, you know, they're, they're still my, just my employees. You know, I love them and they're kind of special, but you know, I give them free housing, free food and free childcare and free healthcare and they need to, to work for me.
1: So my question for you is, is what, what's your number that you draw that line at there? What's that number on that DHIR sheet that says, Hey, it's gotta be at 305. And is it different for Mary's La Mancha's or did they not even get thrown into the equation?
2: It, well, Mary just yelled from the kitchen. Yes, it's different for the La Mancha's because I am hard. I am hard on everybody, um, and unfortunately, I just have not found the line for those La Mancha's to make the milk that I need them to make. So, yes, because I love—I always tell people I have La Mancha's because I love my wife, and because I love my wife, that line is a little lower for the Llamanchas. But um, I would say to answered your question, Cameron. Every year, that's I, I tell the story. When we first started testing, <clears throat> we we you know, like I said, we bought the herd in, in September, and I it was March. I, I thought, well, there's no sense in testing until everybody comes fresh. So it was March or April, and you know, I had cows, and and, and so I know what they should produce. And I I did, said, all right, we're going to call everybody that doesn't make fifteen hundred pounds. My God, that's how it's going to be. And we get that test sheet back, and I went, okay, let's start with a <laughs> thousand. Let's say you're not projected for a thousand, <laughs> you have to go you know i I set the bar a little high that first year apparently and but every year I try to raise that i you know I mean your feed costs are going up if you're doing a good job genetically that should shouldn't be a problem and we do um I'm real close to two thousand pounds for anybody's second lactation and above, and we're in that seventeen to eighteen hundred pounds for um yearlings and i i do expect a lot out of yearlings i'm not big on second chances i just i'm just not
1: well and that's that's interesting there um when you talk about kind of what your cutoffs there are but thinking about breeding plans there the lies there do you ever get your commercial bucks out for your show does or your show bucks out for your commercial does or do you try to keep it in the family i guess
2: yeah i have two bucks for the whole commercial herd you know i have i have one i always have a kid and he'll do all all the young ones as far as commercial kids go and one buck that's a year or two old and he'll breed 150 does you know and the the show may some of them show bucks may only breed you know five or six does um i have 13 bucks and two of them are commercial and 11 are, are are for show either alpine or la mancha we do sometimes if we get in a rush and I'll go you know the commercial buck's been busy, he's already got three today we'll we'll breed him with a um a show doe, but there again, you go back to the d h i record if she's a doe that's two thousand twenty one twenty two hundred I'm not keeping that kid anyway, you know, I can breed her to a la mancha for all I care because I'm not going to keep that kid and um um, but if she's a you know twenty eight three thousand pound doe, then I'm gonna I'm gonna breed her to that commercial buck because we have the
3: show
2: but stuff. not but not the show does very few registered does will go to a commercial, commercial. Right. yeah you know some some do some that are are good milkers but just
3: not never gonna be in never the
0: show never ring.
2: could be in the show ring right. you know your ugly show does right. but they're good producers those I'll breed right. off and, and breed commercial.
0: So Randy, on your commercial bucks are they are they um one breed but just not papered or are they a cross of several breeds
2: no they're they're almost always grades I mean I've even we bought a Sonnen about six years ago, and uh, I just knew that she made a lot of milk and could have been registered, but I had no desire to have registered Sonnens. I wasn't gonna pay for them, so I never even sent in the papers or anything. Um, so, but they're generally almost always an Alpine. Um, the one I'm using right now happens to be white. I know that, I know that he's three quarters Alpine, but he just happens. His mother was, was a 50, 50 and, uh, she was, she was a sign a white son. And so that color carried over, but, um, we almost have, always Alpine.
3: We have in the past, actually AI, um, one of our top producing unregistered commercial does with the idea that we wanted to get a new commercial herd sire out of her. And have. And, yeah. and did. Yeah. So, so, you know, we
2: occasionally will breed a commercial doe, you know, to a registered book for that reason, just for the milk.
0: All right. Ever bring in Nubians? No.
3: Yeah,
2: that'll happen. <laughs> Right after I bring in the Nigerians, <laughs> <laughs> and I love my Nubian and Nigerian people, I really do. They will, they will never come here, you know. My friends can come, but they have to leave their goats at home.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, you do, we well, and no
0: offense to Nubians, I you know I was just thinking, okay, um, grades, you know, bring up the butter fat a little bit. Yeah. I you know,
2: yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Um, that's, well, a, that's a discussion for another podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Not
0: going to happen. Well, we pulled
1: in the driveway, and Catherine, the first thing she saw was a kid, and the, the ears were a little like droopy. And I was like, she's like, does Randy have a newbie in here somewhere?
2: No. <laughs> Must have been sick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so talking about some of the commercial lines there. Um, and Barry, you, you said you've AI'd some of the mm-hmm. commercial dose. I guess, how many times do you do that? How, how are you using. AI within your program for your commercial compared
3: to just the show stuff. We have some bucks in the tank that are that are uh, registered. Do we have anybody unregistered in the tank? Um, they're mam keys, so there's a lot of milk. You know, Tina's made a lot of milk for yes. a lot of
2: years, and
3: and, um, and we actually bought that semen and brought it in with the idea that it was to be used on primarily the commercial does that are the higher produce. You know, some of our highest producing commercial does, so that we could get um, herd sires, and obviously does too that we're going to melt, But you know, a new herd sire.
2: Yeah, so, it was more and, for the buck than the doe. Right. We don't step out that often. Um, you know, if I find a buck a line that works, then I'll I'll use him two years, and then I'll see those daughters coming in and say, "Yep, he works." So now I'll keep a son. You know, I'm a notorious line breeder. So then we'll keep a son, we'll run him. Now the third year, you know, I'll step out, and we'll either you know AI we've AI'd, or else I'll I'll really look around. But
3: we have a new herd. We have a new herd sire kid that came from another farm. Um, he will start working probably next month um, on the kids that were born, the commercial kids that were born this year. And that'll get
2: me out, yeah.
3: Yeah, that'll yeah. get us out. He comes from a lot of milk, um, nice dose too, but a lot of milk. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I won't buy a buck if, if I don't have a DHI record. Right. You know, I, I need that. It's like your registered animals. You want to see those show records. I need to see that. I need to see that milk, and I need to see it in, in at least two two generations. And um, this one has it on both sides. Um, the buck is sired by a buck from, from uh, Jeremy Francine. Oh, yep. And, uh, you know, Jeremy and I are good friends. He's on test. I know the records. And we've, I talked to him before I even talked about buying the buck. <clears throat> um, and uh, he said, yeah, there's milk there. So I'm pretty excited about him. <clears throat> and then we'll probably end up keeping his son. You know, and line breed back in. I, I I'm I'm a line breeding freak.
0: You even keep line breeding with your commercial lines too, not just your ju- oh, not yeah. just your show herd. Then. Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, if I if I got a buck whose daughters come in, you know, and they're and they're in that you know 10, 11, 12 pounds as a yearling, I'm gonna go. Okay, he's a nice buck. So then I'll uh, I'll breed him that fall to an older doe that has got a serious. You know, consecutive three thousand pound records, and and keep a son, and use him, and now the like I say, now the third year is when I try to step out, right. and stepping out just scares the heck out of me, because is it going to work? You know, I mean, it's just like just like show dogs are showing them you go out and buy that thirty thousand dollar buck, and bring him home, and his family doesn't like your family, okay. and they all turn out, you know, not what you want. I mean, we've all we've all, we been, all there. been there. We've all we've all bought that animal that was going to turn it around and actually didn't, and it's nothing wrong with the animal; <clears throat> it was just genetics. They just didn't they just didn't go together well.
1: So, talking about you know line breeding, are you finding that just like in your show notes, and if you've ever seen this herd, you will know that Mary and Randy have a type, and it's a very good type, I will say. What are you finding in your commercial herd? You're kind of getting that same type as well because you're line breeding so heavily, or
2: I. I'm terrible about, about the commercial herd. I don't care if they come in with three legs and two heads. I want to know how much milk she makes. You know, I, and I don't want an udder that's dragging on the ground, but I don't, you know, I'm not going, ah, oh, she's got a slopey rump, and oh, she's got a terrible four udder. You know, is she milking 3,000 pounds? I love terrible four udders and slopey rumps if they're milking 3,000 pounds. I have some ugly-ass goat's <laughs> out there that are here strictly because they milk and um no i it's a single component when i breed a commercial milk you know i don't care about legs feet heads nothing i just want tons and tons of milk um but you will see that consistency there you know some of the bucks do you know that um the first titanium we had from, from Tina, we had a, a titanium sun when we first started, and they were very similar. I kept the sun. They were very similar in type, you know, tall, long, level top lines. Um, not the greatest memories, but you could sell every one of them. They all came out. They were all shammies, and, you know, you knew every one that, that came out of him. And uh, now this sun that we have, uh, another titanium sun we're bringing in now is um, – is doing the same thing he's just typing them.
1: my my one question I have here is do you baby some of the showdos or is, are you trying to or have you ever made a decision hey she's maybe a showdo and the good lines are there but she's maybe not cutting it and you're gonna give her an extra year or, or do you are you always drawing that hard line to sand
3: it? it depends on who you talk to <laughs> As babies, Mary
2: is, Mary is the nursery matron. Well, so she she does group her registered, quote-unquote, you know, possible show does together so that she can kind of watch them. But there again.
3: But I do, but I think he's talking about when they hit, are you talking, yeah. asking about when they hit the, when they yeah. come into the parlor? Yeah, when they hit the oh. parlor, yeah. Yeah, so that is also depending on. Who you talk to and how much yelling is going on in the park? Because he will draw a harder line and I will say she is a first freshening yearling. You gotta give her another chance. I mean, we can't give them all another chance. We can't give them all another chance. But yes, there are some that that Very we few. do that we do um give another yeah, yeah. She's
2: gotta have the look, you know, if, if she's you, you know, when she and you go, There's no way you will ever see a show ring and you make 1500 pounds. I'm not, you're not staying.
3: Right. You know, if
2: you're 15, yeah. 1600 and yeah. you're, you're dynamite looking, I go, All right, fine, we'll give you another chance. Um, You know, and, and that, like I said, that line <laughs> is a little lower with the show animals than it is with the commercial, art, especially if she is exceptional in the ring. Right. You know,
0: yeah. they, it, have, a, they yeah. have a different purpose, they have, they have a dual purpose. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have does that aren't? Do you ever have does that are in your commercial herd or one that, that you, that you freshen and you're like, Whoa, she's just, she's amazing. I think I want to show her as a recorded grade. Do you ever, do they ever jump out of the commercial herd back into
2: the show? Herd? Yeah. No,
0: no. The
3: no when,
2: we herd. The, when we bought the commercial herd, he had um, a
3: registered buck. Uh, from Brian Vance, when we and then he also had the titaniums done over there, and they were registered bucks. So we did have some does that uh, we knew who the sire was, but the dam was unregistered, and we did register those as recorded grades. Um,
2: and we still carry have that line today We do on two of those does. Yeah, and, and they did well. They yeah. did well, yeah. But, yeah, we'll have some, and, and yeah. um, we'll get a yearling that will come in, and I'll go, holy cow, look at this. Who, go read the, you know, I mean, you've got. 70, 80 um, registered does out there. I don't know anybody. I know them all by number. Mary knows them all by name. So that works out really well <laughs> when we're trying to figure out who's who. Um, so I'll have, her <laughs> read, I'll have her read a tattoo and, uh, you know, and it, it'll be unregistered. It won't have a tattoo. And I go, like, oh, that's a shame. She's a pretty doe. Um, I don't think we do as much anymore. You know, yeah. we have so many to choose from. Right. But, yeah, there's some pretty commercial does out there. And chances are. They were bred by one of the registered bucks. Um, there's 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 two two year olds I can think of right now that I two or three year olds that I know are are have got Rochester blood in them. You can just tell by looking at them, and they're they're pretty girls, but they're they have no tattoo on them.
3: Yeah, we're not we're not opposed to that. We have done it in the past, but how many can you take to a show?
2: Trailer is only so many.
3: That's right. We can only fit so many the right. trailers, so we I have, have, to to, choose I have to keep them. bringing
2: Alpine, so I can so I can go keep chasing Cameron.
3: And he has no. to bring the manches because Mary likes them, so that doesn't leave a lot of room for recorded grades.
2: But but then he's also got to
1: bring kids for his grandkids to show at the state fair. Right. So, right. No. Yes. So
3: yeah.
2: No. So there's no room anymore for recorded grades.
1: No. Mary, I want to talk to you a little bit here. I want to talk about how you manage so many kids. With so little hours in the day, and Randy's always adding more kids, it seems like because he's freshening so many. So I guess, how do you do it? How do you keep saying First off,
3: um, the, well, first of all, we do try to move out as soon as we can all buck kids that are not getting kept either as um, commercial replacement herd sires for somebody else because we all we sell those every year. Um, and anyone, any of the you know registered kids or commercial kids that we know we are not going to keep, we try to move them out. So, so it allows me to focus in then on the animals that we are keeping. Um, they right now they stay in the parlor for up to a week in uh, pack and plays, which allows us to really keep a close eye on them. Um, we get them started that first week, then we move them out to the kid barn, and we like to pen them in uh, pens of five. So it's just pretty manageable. I mean, it's a lot of work. I, uh, you, you have to be ready. If you're going to go and break into commercial and kidding season comes, uh, there is no way that you can describe that to somebody. It's something you really have to live through, but I think we've gotten it pretty much down now. We've got
2: it down to a pattern. You know, yeah, yeah. they come into the, like very soon. They come into those Those pack and plays, you know, and they're only on a bottle, maybe two feedings. And then she gets them started onto the nipple pails where, you know, where we have the nipples around the bottom. And once they're, you know, three, four days old, they go out there and and we have those little mini hutches, I call them, with the heat lamp and we do groups of four or five. And you got your pails and you just leapfrogging. You got five or six pails and you fill them and start going. And when they're empty, the first one's empty, you put it fill it. put it on the end, just keep moving down and go right around the barn. But, um,
3: and Several years
2: of, ago, we had a contract for some weaned kids, so we kept everything.
3: That and was awful.
2: Mary was Mary was feeding. Uh, <laughs> Mary was feeding 150 babies. Um,
3: Bef- after after I and she, all and day she off.
2: still worked. Yeah. yeah, she was still working full time at that time, and that was uh, that was a little tough. And <laughs> I, all I kept hearing was, "We better make darn good money on these kids." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but
3: yeah, but I mean, it's just, I do have a big feeding, a milk, uh, a milk wagon, a milk replacer wagon uh, that I will get out and use during peak time when I'm feeding just about everybody. Um, it's quite, it's quite large. I think it's actually made for calves. So when I, when the numbers start dropping, it's not even, I don't really use it. A couple of years ago, Randy actually put milk or water into the kid barn, which I didn't have water, so I was carrying all of this milk replacer three times every time parlor. I had to feed from the milk and parlor down to the you know 80 gallons at a time carrying that. So, so that actually has made it a lot
0: nicer. Wow, you're that's that's a lot of work.
2: There's you know, as far as reg, back to the registered and commercial, you know, like I said, Mary will probably pin those a lot of those. Um, registered kids together in those groups of four or five when they're on milk but once they're weaned you know they become just part of the group and they go into we call it the lean to it's on the side of the kid barn they go there until late summer early fall and then they go up into a loafing shed up there so everybody um, learns to, to compete and fight from day one whether you're you know, uh, the national champion or, the, or a dog, it doesn't matter. You're going to get up there and, and learn to learn to fight for the feed bunk and fight for the feed.
1: My question for you guys on this is, is how do you decide which ones are going to be the replacement does or does that you're going to keep from the commercial herd or something like that versus how are you going to decide which ones you're going to leave to go very early in life?
3: I can tell you that we have probably sent out of here some super good milking kids but Randy keeps a lot of the records that we the kids that we keep uh, the commercial kids that we choose to keep um, are kept because of their mom the, the milk records of the mom
2: we just go up to DHI yeah I'm a, I'm a I don't know how anybody can milk goats and for a living and not be in DHI and I know that that there's a lot that don't um, I only test four or five times a year or five or six times a year. I, I, we just tested last week and it's my last test now until March. Um, from a management standpoint, I'm done. My my cull list is done. My milk through list is done. And and it doesn't matter to me now what they do through the winter, really. But going back to your question is when, you know, 126 kids in the kidding pen, I'll bring the kids in, put them in a the play pen, and then I go right to that DHIC. What did she make last year? And she has to make herd average or above. So if she's at 2,700 or above, those kids stay. If she's at 2,600, they're going to go. You know, I, So that's that's where I draw the line with the commercial herd, is they have to be herd average or above. And so these other ones go with the buck kids, hopefully, within a couple of days, the other does. Um, and as far as the registered ones, pretty much all of them get to stay. Unless, unless the mother's terrible and she doesn't look good. You know, <clears throat> a doe, again, that will never see the show ring, you know, and she doesn't milk uh, that, that herd average, then they'll go. But um, we keep probably more show kids to see. You know, you don't know what they look like. them. At three days old, you don't know what they're going to no. be.
3: And there's always people looking for show kids. Um, and we actually put ear tags in the commercial kids right away yeah. with that number corresponding about, to their mother. Yeah, they get a little
2: so, ear tag, and that gets right. wrote down in the book. So right. then, when again, when they freshen, now I can – that yearling comes in fresh. I can look at that ear tag, go back to my book. Oh, you're out of so and so and sired by so and so, and I can keep track. I you know, I put the bucks on that DHI sheet as those yearlings come in, and now I can track them. Oh, that you know that buck's doing a nice job, or that buck sucks, and I need to get rid of him. His daughters are no good. So, um, it's it's a, it's such a serious <laughs> management tool that DHI that I it just I can't say enough about it. I just can't.
1: So, how big is the book? I mean, is it is it multiple books? Is it? I just I just imagine just Randy and a stack of
2: notebooks <laughs> in the milk parlor. That's
1: now, pretty
3: much what. No, like,
2: no, it's one it's little big. bitty spiral. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be bigger. But about five years ago, we had the spiral in the lean to. We were sorting out, kids that we were selling wean kids. We had a, somebody wanted a group of wean kids, and I didn't have enough not tagged dough, so I said, "Well, we'll we'll go through the list." You know, we'll start picking at 2700 You You barely made the list. You can, you can go. And I made the mistake of leaving the, the book in the kid barn, and yeah. the kids got out. Yeah. So I lost four years' worth of records, you know, that ended up being confetti on the floor. So – but now it's not that big because, I mean, we only keep 60 or 70 kids. Mary keeps track of the registered ones. I don't do anything with the reg- – I don't write them down. Mary writes those down in the house. So um, – 60, 70 kids a year. So you're only looking. It is by at really, a
3: year. You're I mean, only looking you know, at two pages. This, this is this. Yeah. It's, no. by, it's The
2: big book is the DHI sheets. Yeah. You know, I, I go all the way back to 2000 and you know, ten or so. And it's, I should really throw some of them away, but I, I just, yeah, I've got two spiral notebooks full of DHI sheets.
0: I really like the way that those numbers take the the sentimentality out of deciding well, who stays and who goes.
3: It's,
2: it's it's yes, exactly. It's so simple. You know, I don't have to go, well, oh God, I don't know, you're kind of good. I think you milk a lot. I really like you. You're pretty, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just look in there and go, nope, you're gone. You know, it, it's so simple. And it just makes everything, the same thing with keeping kids. I mean, every, yeah, it just simplifies everything so much. And if you stick to that, you know, think about it. You know, if you're raising the bar on who gets to stay As far as mature does every year, you're improving your herd. Now, if you're only keeping dull kids out of the top half of your herd every year, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with the other half. They're still bred to that commercial buck who has two generations of 3,000-pound does, but I don't have the other half. You know, I don't need all them kids and a $105 bag for milk replacer, and I'm buying, you know, 100 bags, I don't need to, I don't need to be feeding kids that, that, that I don't need.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about going from kids. You, let's just say you started, see so you keep 70 kids and then they go, they kind of have two avenues there, yearly milker or dry yearling. Do you freshen out all of your commercial kids or what's your criteria for creating dry yearling there?
2: It's pretty much age. Age you know, and age,
3: size. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we... Yeah, age and size. I would say April and after kids will not get bred. Anybody and then and then you know if we have some kids that are a little small. And as far as the, the registered kids, same thing. If they've got the size, we're gonna breed them and then we'll to see what that other looks like. But we will, you know, pick out that three or four. Oh, you're awfully pretty. You need to stay and be a dry yearling so I can beat Cameron in the ring. <laughs> um so you know, some will stay back. Just they may be big enough to breed, but they'll stay back just just for the show string. But it's age and size. Yeah. I, I like to keep I like to keep twenty five to thirty dry yearlings, whether they be registered or or commercial, for the fact that when I clean out the hay bunk, we have two forty foot hay bunks in the in the milking barn. It gets cleaned every morning. So when I clean that bunk out, that Leftover refusal hay goes to the dry yearlings, so I have a place for that to do it. You know, I don't have to. I don't have to say to the does "Look, I paid you know two hundred dollars a ton. You're eating this hay. I can feed them a little extra. They can eat what they want, and what's left can go to the to the the yearlings. Being being that it's all baleage, it's still soft. The leaves are still on there. It's not sticks and dust. So um, I like having that group group hang around for the summer.
1: And then from those does that you freshen, they go this other route, this freshen out route there. How do you determine again then who stays, who goes there, and then even going a step further, how do you decide? We kind of going back to that DHR sheet. Who do you decide who leaves next, or who? Where are the replacement animals, and which animals are getting off the truck? From?
2: Again, it's all numbers. <laughs> you know, it's just really simple. It, it goes back to that. You know, nineteen hundred to two thousand pounds. I don't care if you're. You know a two-year-old or a ten year old when you when your time is up your time is up and then the yearlings are in that 17 to 1800 and and if you don't do it as a yearling you're gonna go you know people I was amazed you know it was we were testing a couple of years before I I kept going I, I we were at like 170 170 dose, and I just it just isn't working I need to get up to 190 I need to be pushing two hundred. and I would keep you know 40 50 kids and I'm going man why can't I grow why can't I grow and I I guess I was on test price three four years before I realized over here in the corner there's a thing that tells about, you know, how many you've culled in a year and your percentage of the herd. And I'm going, all right, 29%. You know, and it breaks it down by first lactation, second lactation, the third and more. And it's like, you know, 32%, 31%. I'm going, I'm culling 30% of my herd. That's why you can't get enough, you idiot. You know, you have to get – you have to have enough to cover that 30% plus the 20 that you want to add. So that year we fresh in 90 yearlings. You know, and then I got up to that 190. I was pushing 200. So, so that's what I look at. It's 30 percent of the herd. There's a turnover every year. That's just how it is. And and I just I have the yearlings. So I don't have to say, well, I need the numbers. I, I need the. I'll give you a second chance. I I don't need to give you a chance. I've got plenty sitting out there that want to take your place.
3: It sounds harsh, but it's it's a business.
2: <laughs> it's all numbers. It's just it's, it's just it's simple. It's so num. It's all just numbers.
0: So Randy, by being just arbitrary about that cutoff line, are you able to give a little more give than like with special show does that are aged does that maybe aren't milking at that level that you want anymore? They, they probably get a buy, right? I
2: think everybody has those two or three does, you know, even, even, even commercial commercial guys. I mean, even grades for crying out loud. You've got that old doe that she's been here. I've got an old doe. Um, a grade doll. She's, she's an old titanium. She's, the DHI says she's had four lactations. I know she's at least nine or 10 years old. She, she's never had a 305 day lactation in her life. She's, she's always milked two or three years and she's all crippled up. And, you know, it's about as wide as a graham cracker right now, but I just can't, I mean, Roberta would take her, but I just can't do it. She'll get to die here. And we have two old show does that used to be on the show circuit and they're in that seven, eight, nine year old age and
3: still milking, but, you know,
2: still milking, yeah. but yeah, enough to feed the cats, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, um, they just, you
3: know,
2: everybody, everybody has those does that they they will get to die here. Um, I, I, I will say that it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, there are does that, that we load up and go, man, you know, we've had some good times, sweetie, but it's just time. And uh, that's, it's very hard. It's, 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 hard. Uh, it's, hard. It, it's, yeah. it's you, you cuss them and you chase them around the pen, you can't catch them and everything else. And then when you go to push them into the taco truck, you're going, oh, honey, I am so sorry, but it's, you gotta go. It's, uh,
3: that but, is never an easy thing. It but
2: then again, there happened. are those that I'm more than happy to push up into that <laughs> truck, too. If he comes on the right day, he may get more than he said. <laughs> That's
0: so bad. I think we all feel that way sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah Whether yeah, it's commercial please. hurt or not. It's like, come on, taco guy.
2: <laughs> if somebody stopped every day, you'd, you'd, you'd ship those you wouldn't think of sometimes. Yeah, just because it's a bad day. Yeah.
1: So you are famous on Facebook land. For the taco truck, the, the taco. taco man or whoever that your daughter took away your Facebook rights for a little bit <laughs> uh, because you were talking about the taco truck on the farm page um, <laughs> there. But how often does the taco man come? Is it a call for the taco man? I mean, is it, is it stop by?
2: Or? It's a little of both. Um, you know, Roberto has been with us from the start. Um, he actually answered an ad 13 years ago from Craigslist Wonder to raise um, kids. And you know he saw buck kids five dollars. Oh oh oh! You know I take them all. I take them all. Well, he never raised kids before, and that didn't work out too well for him. So the next year he wondered if he could get older stuff. And I said, well, I have those. and so he started. And he has turned it into. A, I, I love that old man. He is—he's a year younger than me. Um, he actually is from Mexico. When he was a kid, um, he has he has several grown children. His father is still down there. Has a little a little hobby farm but um, he's turned it into a great business for himself and um, it just depends if Roberto needs goats he'll call he'll call Randy you what you got for your what you got for your Mexican friend today <laughs> and, or if I need to move some does, I'll call him and, and tell him I have does. so um, it, it's kind of both but yeah he pulls in in his little s10 he's got a homemade box on the back it, it it's just unbelievable. But yeah, he's just a little five foot guy and he's just a riot and we have a good time. But yeah, he's my, he's my taco man. uh little Roberto. He'll buy anything. He'll chickens. He's taken chickens from us and everything from two days old to 10 years old. It doesn't matter. He'll, he'll find a home for him.
0: That's perfect. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs a taco man there. Well,
2: and it's nice.
3: It's, you know, otherwise it, people are taking them to the sale barn.
2: You know, it, it, so. I, I could take him to the sale barn a lot of times and get another, you know, 30, 40 bucks for him. But I got to take the time. I got to load him up. I got to hook up the trailer. I got to drive up. I got to unload him. I got to pay a commission. You know, Roberto pulls in. We pull him down there. We put him in the truck. He hands me he hands me cash, and he's out of here in 10 minutes. And um, it's, it's nice that way. And it's cash. <laughs> Cat.
1: Cash is king there.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, we're going to talk something specifically a lot of people have requested us to talk about, which is extending those lactations. Because everybody on Facebook lands that Randy does it, Randy does it, Randy does it. and He'll, he'll brag about his goats as well there on, on Facebook world. So, extending lactations. First off, why do you do it?
2: I guess it's been six years because I have my my star of the herd, a little 208, will finish her sixth will be fresh six years in February on her first lactation, and she freshened at 13 months. She's tagged. I looked her up. So it's been six years. Doc Demler, you know, the goat guru here, um, first told me about it, and he said it's very popular in Europe, and we've since found out that it is very popular in Europe. And he said, take some of those does, you know, uh, when when you test in the late fall that are still milking good and just don't breed them. Um, and let them go, and it'll uh, help with that winter milk. So I tried it the first time at twenty five, and you know what, Boy, that, it worked. And and um and then we went to like thirty five or forty, and we've been in that sixty to seventy. We had seventy two last year. Like I said, we just tested last week. I went through the sheet just yesterday or this morning, and I'm going to be about sixty five to seventy that are probably going to make the cut again this year for for a milk through. Um, I love it. You know, it, it, there's so many advantages, really. I mean, being commercial, we obviously get paid more in the winter for the winter milk, so it helps with that winter milk. Um, when do goats die? You know, how many goats die in July and August compared to February, March, and April? When you know, Fa- mm-hmm. Facebook's full of it. You know, that Mary Jane, my favorite doll, just died from a, you know, torn uterus, or, or she fresh with mastitis, or the kids died, and blah, blah, blah. And I bury a lot more goats in the middle of winter than I do in the middle of summer. So if they're not, they're not kidding, they're, you're, you're probably not going to lose them from kidding problems. Um, again, I don't need that many kids. I, I, I don't need that many. So um, it just lessens that. And then, it's, it's, again, it's numbers. 3,000 pounds is, is a good record. You know, we would like our goals and, you know I always think, well, if I could have a 3,000-pound herd average, well, if you're going to have a 3,000-pound herd average in 305 days, that's pretty much 10 pounds a day. But if you do the numbers, if you want 3,000 pounds in a year, 365, she only has to produce 8.2 pounds. So, you know, to make 10-pound average in 305 days, she's got to be at that 15, 16-pound at the beginning to make up for the 4 or 5 pounds at the end. So she averages that 10, <laughs> where 8.2, she can she can drop to 6 pounds in the sun, in the winter and, and come back to ten pounds in the spring, and they do. That's that's the remarkable thing about it. They're so genetically implanted into them that we don't milk in the winter. That I'll have milk milking ten pounds in, still milking ten pounds in August, September, and we don't test in the middle of winter. But I know she's down there at five, six, seven pounds, and then come spring she's she's back up there, and they'll come back and they're twelve. 12 pounds. And I'm not stressing those it, it It's stressful for a doe to milk 15 pounds in a commercial herd. And you, you see it in, in your smaller herds, but, you know, they're fed graham crackers and a milking stand. And, you know, my girls are up there trying to fight their way to the front of the feed bunk, and so they don't have to milk that 15, 18 pounds. They just come in, eat their grain, eat their hay, milk their 10 pounds, and go back and do it again. It's uh, it's really not stressful at all. I I, I really like it. I do I
0: love it. So Randy So Randy on these on on the animals that you're seeing that you know drop down and then come back in the in the winter is that across the board with everyone that you hold over and don't breed or is that just certain lines cuz this is this is something that you know when I talk to other people you know I'm thinking about not breeding and just milking through they're like Oh, she'll never milk enough in the next year to, you know, to show or to make it worthwhile. You know, they, they, they just naturally will dry off. You'll never see an increase in production after that. And it doesn't sound like that's what you experience at all.
2: Well, as far as she'll never show, I mean, I don't, I bet you in the last four years, we've had at least one or two does in the show string that have been milking through. Um, Ren is uh, she's been milked through twice in the show ring, you know, and she just went uh, best in show at Minnesota and she's, she's milking through this year. Um, um I don't think you can say it's certain lines uh, once in a while I'll test because I missed a test. So I'll test the end of November, first of December, and you'll see that drop. You'll see that, you know, the milk through dose and they're seven pounds and you're going, oh, crap, I should have read her and it's too late. I'm just going to let her ride. And then when I test again in, in March, you know, she's up at 11, and by April, May, she's, she's at that 12, you know, 12 pounds, and she holds it through there. Um, again, that, that little 208, she, she does it every year. That doe has never milked more than 12 pounds in her whole life and never milked less than eight. Um, she's she's averaged 11 pounds for, for over 2,000 days. Um, but the interesting thing about it, is you need to do it in a first or second lactation. So you try it with a doe that's on her third or fourth lactation for her first time, and, and I, I just don't get that response. Um, I was looking at mine. I only have, out of the 72 that went last year, I only have three that are on her third or more lactation, and they are actually the lowest um, producing right now of the three categories, of first, first lactation, second lactation, third and above. Um, I, it sounds silly, but I almost think we train them. I, I think we train them to dry up. I, I've had friends that started a commercial herd, and they go out and they buy, you know, four does from a show herd who just aren't doing it that well. But they're three-year-olds, so they're great milkers that just aren't doing it in the ring. And they bring them home, and they freshen them. And, they, man, she's milking. She is just, she is a good dough. Holy cow, holy cow. And come September 15th, you know, she's going, ah, I'm done. This is when we dry up. You know, I, I, I honestly believe that, you know, you take those yearlings, they don't know any better. They're just coming in and milking. We don't know we're supposed to dry out. We're supposed to milk. We'll milk. You bet your boss. We'll keep milking. And you tell me when. Um, but, yeah, a lot more success on that first and second lactation than I do on, on a third lactation. But I don't think it's a line thing. And I, you have to have that doe, you know. You, you can't ask a doe that's milking four pounds in, in, in October to, to make it through the winter. She's, she's not going to, you know, but if she's in that 8 to 10, and that's my line. is My October test is usually my last test, and they have to be 8 pounds. If she's at 8 pounds, she'll go on the, <clears throat> on the milk through list.
1: If she's lower than 8 pounds, she'll go on the? She'll
2: be bred, okay. yeah. I'll make a list in September. Usually the end of August or September we'll test, and that's my initial list because that's breeding season, first of September, and, and that's obviously a bigger list. So then, um, you know, we breed everybody else or try to un- underneath that, and then I'll reevaluate that list in, in the October test. And that's my final list. And, and it's hard because the, the hardest thing about not breeding goats is not breeding goats. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in heat every three weeks. Going, I don't know. I, oh, you're not milking. Oh, maybe I should breed. Oh, geez, what if I'm wrong? Oh, oh, oh. And you just have to look at that damn list in the milk house go, you're on the list. I am not breeding you. I'm not breeding you. I'm not breeding you. And and I've done the mistake. I've said, yeah, I don't think you're milking that much. I'm going to breed you And now I can't get her dry.
3: Mm-hmm. Now I
2: can't get that dough dry. And if I can't get her dough dry and have at least six weeks, I won't dry her up. I'll, I'll run her through and let her kid right through. Um, a short dry period really seems to mess up a lactation. So if and I usually end up with one or two a year that I can't get dry. And and so then I'll just I'll just say, all right, we'll just keep running and going. So
1: when you keep running them through like that, do you find any problems or any or is it just better to just keep running them through than create a problem by drying them off?
2: I, I think you create a problem by drying them off. You know, we have a veterinarian here, she'll probably tell you, but <laughs> and other, you know, to me, and, and I've had people say, Yeah, you're right, it goes through three phases. We dry them off and they, you know, they're full. Mm-hmm. oh my god You know now the second phase is we finally dry up when we're in that rag you know they're hanging there like a rag the third phase is we're starting to get starting to fill and when you shorten that you shorten that dry period she's kidding in that second phase mm-hmm. she's kidding in that rag phase she doesn't have time so it takes them so much longer to, to reach that peak and they and they probably won't um the first time it happened to me it was a doe i, I thought that I had her down as bread, but she didn't look bread. And I thought, you know, she's milking hard. And I thought, okay, you're going to milk through. And uh, I got him up to, to come into the holding pen. There's a pair of feet hanging out. And I thought you can have the morning off. So she was she was dry 24 hours. And she went on to make 3,000 pounds. So, um, yeah, I usually have one or two. I don't think you get quite the same the next year, you know. But then again, you milk her for 60 days more than you would have anyway. So you, know, you make up a little bit there.
1: So I want to talk about your dry down here. Is it always 60 days? Is it always six weeks? Or do you have a cold, you know, cold, cut come off cold turkey 60 days before kidding? Or
2: Jeremy is, a, is, a, is, he's, I think, 75 days. He likes a little longer, and he's got it on his smartphone. And I don't know, my flip phone doesn't talk to me like his smartphone does. <laughs> but, um, you know, he gets an alert, and number 128 is dry, and he will kick her in. He's got another barn. Um, that he puts the dry doughs in, so that helps. But if he doesn't care. he said, if she's milking eight and a half pounds, he says she goes out there and she's got national show orders for three days. But he says she's she's dry, and and I I don't have a place to put dry dose, um separately like that. So um, I dry them up, and I'll do the every other milking, you know, every other day. And but I do, you know, really try I. I've got a whiteboard that's, you know, two by four in the two foot by four foot in the parlor there. And I write all my fresh dates on there, my dough. So then I'll look and then I go, OK, this group, I've got to get dry. So then I'll start working on them. And I usually can get them dry and they'll, you know, they'll get full. But I mean, it's not a cold turkey thing. No, no, it's not a cold turkey. But, um we go for that eight weeks. We really try. So we started nine weeks maybe to get them dry so we can get them dry by the eight and give them eight weeks of dry period. Do you – I have another question here before I ask Laura, before <laughs> Laura comes in here. Um, do
1: you have – have you ever found that breeding lull? It's like after breeding just milk production stops or starts to slow down a little bit. Do you find that here? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. You can, You know, not all those obviously, but, yeah, you know, we don't pregnancy check the – very few. It's, the show heard, especially if we've AI, we want to know. But otherwise, we just wait 21 days and 42 days, and hopefully, yeah, up <laughs> must be pregnant. We haven't seen anything. But, you know, yeah, there's those those that are like, you know, 35, 40, 45 days. You go, yeah, you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Because you have fallen off, you know, there. Chances are they were in that six or seven pounds anyway. And now, you know, they, you know, you're going, yeah, I bet you're pregnant. They, yeah, we do see that. I, I think that's a, I think that's a goat thing that they start to shut themselves down. Those hormones kick in, and, and they're starting to shut themselves down.
0: So, Randy, in, in thinking about winter milk, um, do you have enough of your herd that you are able to milk through that you don't have to really do a lot of mi- manipulation to get fall you know fall kidding does?
2: That's a that's another reason I like the the milk through does. We used to cedar a lot. You know, we try to seed her 30 to 40 to get in that end of December, January. Um, you know, some guys are, are kidding in September, October. We don't have the facility to have those kids. You know, you, those September, October kids are going to, be dr- going to be weaned in January. And now what do I do with them in the super cold months when um, that kid barn is, is basically for young kids still on milk and once you're weaned, you go into the lean tube. Well, by the time mine are weaned, generally it's middle of, middle or end of March, so they can handle that, that colder. So we used to, we used to cedar a lot, and it's just, you know, let's face it, it's kind of a pain in the butt, you know. If you're cedaring three on a shoulder, that's one thing, but if you're cedaring twenty does, and you know, did I get it in? I got to give her a shot, and no, I forgot to pull the damn cedar, and um, it's, <laughs> it's. Uh, and my conception rate wasn't that great you know we were in that 60 percent and it seems like a lot of uh, of uh, goofing around so the the more melt through i get that obviously helps helps there we did cedar some this year i had some dose that that were lower than i wanted them to be and they were right on the line of culling and i thought instead of culling you i will cedar you and have you fresh in you know the first of january help me hold through the winter and then come March, April, when I don't need, when I need the room, I can dump you, you know, even if they milk six, seven pounds in the winter, that's six, seven pounds is eight, nine pounds of summer milk price-wise. So, um, um, but yeah, we, that milk through has done a lot. And I, I, we've always milked through, we've never gone dry.
1: Well that's interesting because I wanted to talk about winter milk because you guys got some exciting news about winter milk and winter milk prices are up there. Why is it so much different or why is there so much more value for winter milk compared to summer milk?
2: Well they pay us so much more. You know, we're they it's an incentive, you know, the cheese plant doesn't want a big flood of milk in it from, from March March and April and then nothing in December and January. So so they they pay an incentive to have that winter milk. So they're they're paying, you know, anywhere from $6 to $8 a hundred more for winter milk. And then winter milk, too, your components are higher, so you're going to get a few more cents there, another dollar or two there with with your components. So winter milk is – we don't have the volume, but it's per hundred. You're you're paid quite a bit more than summer milk. Um, And for me – Money and I don't get along, so I have to – we, we're, we're not very good friends, so I have to get new friends every month, so I need a new check to come in every month. Um, um, to... But there
3: are there are commercial herds that actually dry up. I was surprised. And we... they're off. They are not even milking for two months. So the milk plants have this incentive then to get people to just continue to melt so that they have that, that milk coming in uh-huh. to the plants right all through the year.
2: I talked to uh, our field rep. And I was surprised how many, they said uh, almost 60% of the herds go dry for some, you know, it's anywhere from four to eight weeks, but 60% of their herds will go dry in the winter, which I was, I was surprised how many that was, because then you're um, into our friend Craig Koopman with 250 bulls <laughs> fresh in 30 days, you know, it's just wild, just absolutely wild. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I uh that's, that's always kind of blown my mind there.
2: Yeah, I mean we we'll get, you know, ten, fifteen kids, maybe twenty kids a day once in a while, and we think that's a big deal. But you know, think about it, you know, he probably does that every day for three weeks straight. You know, it's uh um uh, no. I there would be bullets flying here if we had that. that, 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 that not at ghosts at each other, probably.
0: So uh, I could see an advantage, you know, from a from a get a vacation um, and a little break to drying everything off. Yeah. I I agree. The money part that cash flow would be really difficult, but I think that kind of leads into another question though Um, for your sanity. I'm sure you do need to take a break once in a while. How do you find help to cover when you're going to be gone?
2: We've been really fortunate to find young kids. Um, Several years ago, it was a father and son—a uh, guy a little bit younger than I was—and his son uh, milked for us when we did a few shows. Um, and then I had I had two young men that that did it for us—nineteen, um, twenty, and 20 and twenty-one um, high school kids, good good guys, and they would they would milk um, a couple of nights a week, and include and, and then when we'd go to a show, but they also just to to keep tabs and to be familiar with everything, they would, they would milk, um, you know, one or two nights a week. And now I have, um, I have a young girl and a, and a young guy, um, again, high school students that each one of them milk two nights a week. And it's kind of nice to have that break, you know, to, to actually be able to come in the house at five 30 or six o'clock and, and sit down like normal people and, and have a, have a night off, or maybe if they, can get them, if they want to milk on a Friday night for them, we can go for fish fry with somebody. But, um, yeah, we've been fortunate to be able to find people. If it is, I mean, not, other people I've talked to have had a hard time finding somebody. They always go, well, I don't know if I trust them. I, you have to be able to say, you know, they're not going to kill them in 12 hours. You know, as long as they know how to take the milkers off and they can tell when they're done, you know, and, and, they, and they make sure everybody has water and grain and feed in front of them. You know, that's, they're not going to do it exactly like you do. No, nobody, nobody does, does it the same, but as long as you trust them and they're good kids. But you uh, also,
3: you've you've also spent time training them before you've left them in charge. So, you know, we work with them side by side until we feel that they're ready.
1: I do have one final question here. Do you find in the winter and talking about winter milk, your your costs are up a little bit because the goats are consuming more, Um, you know, Baleage or grain or other otherwise in order to keep that up, or are you still keeping costs about the same as as it would?
2: Well, I think your costs probably stay the same. They, um, obviously, you're buying milk replacer, so that's a huge chunk. You know, your costs probably stay the same, but your income is lower. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you you know, there's there's two three months there that you are you are losing money every time, and you just hope that you have a good relationship with your feed company and your hay guys until. To honest, carry you, you know, you keep saying, honest, we'll, we'll make milk later. Really, really, we will. Um, but yeah, it, I don't think the costs really change. It's just your income changes. So that ratio is, is huge. You know, my income will be 40% in January of what it is in June. Um, that was the hardest thing going commercial was getting used to that, that income fluctuation. You know, you're you're trolling along in May and June, and July, and we're making big money, and we're all oh, this is great, and oh, like we could buy this, and we could spend it over here, and we're good, we're good, and then come January go, holy crap, we don't have any money at all. You know, um, that took several years. That took several years to figure that out, um, how to handle that, and you know, pay some of that ahead, get that hay guy caught up, or develop those relationships. I've been with the same hay guy for ten years now. And he understands the, the fluctuation in income. You know he he does carry me in the winter. You know, so um, it's 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 building a team. It's really building a team.
1: Well, it sounds like you've got a great team down here in southern Wisconsin. I will say
0: that does bring me to a question that I don't have on the list, Randy. But um, I always get a big kick of you talking about your rocket fuel that you bring forward. Um, do you have just one main hay person that you get from, or uh, do you have several that? Okay, I go to this guy for my haylage, and I go to this guy for uh, different things.
2: No, it's it's my one guy. Uh, once in a while, and I actually have a uh, have a a row of hay out there in, in the field right now that's line wrapped, that's local, um, only because you know Western hay is is a little scarce this year. They they're pretty dry out there, but uh, yeah, I've been with this guy since um, 2012, and um, he knows what I need. He knows I'm looking for that 200 hay in in, in you know starting in March when we're really making the milk and in this time of year I can go down to that 170 180 hay and go through. Um, he's always looking, and I know I know that I pay more than than I would for local hay. I um but. I'm not on Craigslist. I'm not looking on the internet. I'm not making phone calls. I'm not going to a hay auction. I just pick up the phone and say, hey, Kim, I need some hay next week, and a semi pulls in here. Um, that's that's worth something to me right there. This year has been tough. You talk about the rocket fuel. It's been very hard to find rocket, you know, that 200 stuff this year. Um, you know, good hay this year is in that 180 feed value. You know, if you're lucky, 190. I I've got some dry hay round bales. I very seldom feed dry hay, but, um, he's, he's, he's found some dry round bales that I'll be feeding next spring that are over 200. But, um, yeah, he's always looking for me, you know, um, and and he, he gets what I, he gets what I need. But then again, I mean, I have a semi pole in here every month, you know, so, so, you know, it's not it's like a a, it's not like I'm. A, I, I, I buy one or two semis a year and he never hears from me again. I'm in here. He's my guy, and we've we've got a relationship, and and uh, and it's it's worked out really well.
1: Very cool. Wrapping it up here, kind of. If you're a small scale, you know, produce right now. You're a dairy go enthusiast, as we all once are, still are, me and Laura, um, and you want to go commercial. What's one piece of advice you could tell people that that? that that want to start out or go the route you guys did?
2: Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Really research, go and talk to people. A lot of them. You know, I've had people, we we get three or four people. I don't know where they get my name, but we get three or four people a year that pull in here. And, you know, uh, Charlie Brown said I should talk to you. We're thinking about starting a dairy. And I don't discourage them. But I don't necessarily encourage them. Um, I, I tell them you, you need to go to as many dairies as you can because if you just go to one guy and he says, this is how we do it, that's how you think it's going to be done. And maybe that doesn't work for you, it doesn't work in your operation, or maybe he's just not even successful. You know, go and see three, four people, talk to them, pick their brain, really think about this. It's been quite a few years. It's eight, ten years ago, Wisconsin. Um, Department of Agriculture did a thing because there was such a turnover with the dairy goat industry commercial. Probably 40% of the people were out within two years. And, and one of the biggest things was, oh, wow, one of the biggest things was kids, you know, kidding season. They, they, they you know, like Mary said, you have to experience right. it to, to actually realize what it is. You, I could tell you what it's like all day, but until you've done it, you, you really don't know. But it was kids, and then it was that fluctuation in income. You know, that, that big money in the summer and no money in the winter. Um, and it, and um, so that was also a time when they were taking anybody. If you had 40, 50 goats, they'd take you. So you had a lot of people with 12 goats going, holy cow, if we get 50, we can make money. We can ship milk. Oh, this will be – I can make a living doing this. And it just didn't work. But um, A lot
3: of those people sometimes don't understand what it is to be a dairyman and to have a dairy.
2: And you have to have that.
3: You have that. To.
2: That you. you have to, unfortunately, you have to change your attitude. You know, on the whole yeah. management yeah. standpoint. You know, we're. I have a vet. We have a vet sitting here, but I'm not calling her every time I have a goat that, that you know it looks cross-eyed and one year's groupie. It's I and mean, I'm going to give her penicillin or say, okay, let's see if you're still alive tomorrow. It's got to be a big deal. Um, you know, we're not feeding graham crackers on a milking stand. You have to. You have to really there's a different mentality. It's a a
3: lifestyle. (laughs)
2: It's a different mentality with a commercial herd compared to that, compared to that, but it's do your research and talk to people because it's, it's a little harder than people think.
0: My last question. Do you still love it?
2: I do. I do. I, I,
0: are you glad you did it? I guess that's the question. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. My, my only regret is I didn't do it 20 years earlier to be totally honest with you. You know, I, I was, I was, you know, I was 52 years old when we bought the commercial herd. I, I really wish I would have done it, you know, 10, 15 years earlier. If I did that, you know, we would be 350, 400 votes. Um, I, I really would. I, I do. Mary's, Mary's, you know, falling over here going, are you nuts? But, um, and the reason for that is... is- that number I could somebody could milk nights or something you know you could have some full- time you could afford to help, but to answer your question, yes, I, I don't regret it, I do love it i I can't say I love it as much as I did twelve years ago, but I wouldn't go back and I wouldn't change anything. Um, I do love it, most days
1: Oh, I love that. My last question for you is when was the last time you had a vet here out here, and was it when Sarah was at home? when Sarah was here milking the goats?
3: You, oh you. yes! Probably wow. everyone
2: saw the post with the goat with the, <laughs> the, with the, with the chain link stuck in her tongue. Yeah. Um, that was that was uh, the last oh, time we've yes. had a goat, and and before that, honestly, God, it, it, other than interstate Paper for right. a show, we probably right. haven't seen a vet out here for, for animal problems since right. spring. But uh, that chain thing was. Bizarre.
3: I, we would have had to call the vet if we had been home. Yeah, it, would, it was, wasn't a it was, wasn't uh, a call the vet because we are not there. Hopefully,
2: everybody <laughs> listening has, has seen that story because that's that is absolutely yeah. there. There's only really only two questions with that: it is how and why.
3: <laughs> yeah. Because I, it's a goat.
2: Yeah, and the answer to both because, because it's a goat and because they can. Yeah, yeah. But that, that was by far the, the most bizarre thing that's happened in the last, in the 12 years we've been here so far.
1: Well,
0: <laughs> I, yeah, for our listeners that didn't see it, you'll, you'll have to go back and try to look through Facebook because I've never seen anything like that in my life. And we all know that goats have a great talent at getting themselves into places they can't get out of. And this is definitely an example of that.
2: Yeah, you really can't explain it. When she called me, we were at Bluff Country at the show up there and she said, uh, yeah, I've got this goat and well it's got his tongue caught in the chain link. And I said, What? Yeah, it's in the chain link. We're going, Yeah, okay, honey, whatever. <laughs> and I, I called so I called a neighbor, you know, and I said, I don't know, something about a chain link and a goat's tongue. Go down and see what you, yeah, oh, I'll take care of it. And he came down with a portable grinder. And uh he called back and says, I don't know how the hell she got in there, but I can't get it out, you know. <laughs>
3: And, you know we've had we even
2: the vet that came you know um, it wasn't our normal vet because it was it was before office hours and and she's she, Sarah was there by then I had called Sarah and had her come over too to kind of help out and even that vet said
3: how did she
2: do this and they ended up sedating the dough to uh, cut that chain link off but uh, that that's absolutely absolutely bizarre and these are the standard for those who haven't seen it. They're just the standard chains that come on the gate that everybody buys at Fleet oh, Farm Farmer, yeah. or Farmer or Fleet. I mean, oh. you couldn't get your pinky through one of those chain links, let alone a goat tongue. And she had this thing halfway down her tongue. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> and the question is why? What was she hoping to accomplish with that?
2: Exactly. And actually, kudos to the girl that was milking that noticed that because she had done it in a gate where that that's the gate we opened to let the yearling group, the yearling milkers, into the parlor, into the holding pen. And there's 90, 92 does in that pen, and this is only a four-foot gate, and there's a border collie behind them pushing them. So, I mean, everybody's going through that four-foot gate at once. And if she hadn't noticed that this poor doe has got her tongue stuck to the chain of that gate, 96 goats would have ripped her tongue off, for crying out loud. <laughs> so she stood there and held on to this poor oh. doe, smashed by 96 goats until they finally went by her. Um, but yeah. thank God she, she did notice that she was stuck on there. Um, it could have been much, much worse. That's bizarre.
0: <laughs> that Three poor ones. little goat.
2: Great, great way to rest. She up was there. just
0: fine.
3: <laughs> she was just fine and eating grain that night. Yeah. So yeah. No, now, yeah. no residual damage to her tongue.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about um, just everything under the sun. I think we checked all the boxes, Taco Man, Gate and Chain, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Commercial Heart Experience. So, Mary and Randy, thank you so much. Thank I you. Do.
3: Thank you for asking us.
0: It makes me wish I was up there with you.
3: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: If the we,
2: listeners, go ahead. We have an empty chair right now. Hurry up. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep the pot on. And-
0: I'll see you in about five hours. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'll count on you.
1: Well, if the listeners want to find out any more information about your guys' support of goats, um, Reserve one of those dope, dope buck kids from your farm there. I know you've got some exciting AI breedings as well from your commercial or excuse me, show herd. Where can they find more information?
2: Probably on the Facebook page. <laughs> Moran Adamson is uh we do we do have the Moran Dairy Goat page that Sarah set up because she thought I needed it, but All I'm hardly right. ever on there. And when somebody messaged me, I I don't notice it, and then it's 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 two weeks late. So your best bet is is yeah, Facebook Moran Adamson.
1: All right. People, thank you so much for listening this week. As always, if you have feedback, let us know. It's um, delightful episode this week. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it, and have a good week. Thank
0: you. Thank you all for being our listeners, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye!